when you try it and it doesn't work, it makes you feel like you're just a failure and you're bad with money. Especially when you get started in, on your financial journey, it's just gonna be unrealistic. Are you a six-figure household, but you're struggling to build wealth? Money isn't a problem, yet you don't have a financial strategy. You and your spouse just can't seem to get aligned and it's holding you back. Welcome to Rad Money, the finance podcast for millennial married couples. We're Rebecca and Dylan. And our goal with this podcast is to help you stop arguing about money so you can start building real wealth. Welcome to this week's episode of the Rad Money Podcast. Let's have a little bit more energy. Welcome to today's episode of the Rad Money Podcast. That's energy. Yeah, that's, that's energy. it. See what I did there? See what I did there? No, you try. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a keeper. All right. So today we're talking about our least favorite budgeting trends. There's a lot of trends out there, and we'll say that we've tried some of them. We've had clients try them, and we give them the Rad Coaches. Thumbs down. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Dylan's on that special vibe today. Okay, yeah. So we have tried most of these at a minimum, at least we've analyzed them and just looked at like, why do these work? Why do they not work? Why is it that when people try to use these different budgeting systems or follow these trends, that they fail? That the way that the suggested approach is supposed to work, why is it that it doesn't? Why is it that people end up being so frustrated with it? And, you know, really what's going on there. But we'll also share a couple things that we do like. Yeah, of course. And some and why it's honestly even what we teach. Yeah. If you've had problems with these, if you're like, well, budgeting doesn't work for me and I've tried these things that you don't like, sign up for our newsletter and get the cash flow freedom framework for free. Legit. We'll walk you through how to use a budget and all the things that will make you successful with your money. All you gotta do is sign up for our newsletter and you'll get a code to receive our Cashflow Freedom Framework course for free. And you can start walking through that. And this is what we think is the best. We think it, but so do the people who have used it. We were just talking to someone the other day who was giving us just like, just telling us what their experience was like. And they were just like, I've been overcomplicating it forever. And it always made it so hard for my spouse to understand what I was trying to tell them and how we should really work together. And so we've made it super simple while also making it actually make sense for you. Right. And giving you information that is helpful and useful. So we've taken all of this overthinking and thinking that you have to be a financial freaking analyst <laughs> yeah. to manage your money. And we've just said, no, this is all you need to be effective. And it's super streamlined and it's super awesome. And like Dylan said, if you sign up for a newsletter, you can get access to that for free. That's a $97 value that we're just giving to you. So check that out. Especially if as you listen to the episode, you're like, yep, tried that hated it right yeah yeah exactly this did is like, not work if you're like oh I, I i don't budget because i did this and it didn't work for me and we're saying duh we know that doesn't work here's a better way to do it exactly so that brings us to our least favorite budgeting trends we cannot stand these trends for one reason or another we just don't like these and there's a reason for it there is it's just like what people tell you to do with your money and it's very prescriptive. Anytime something's gonna be really prescriptive, uh, no, no thank you, that's not gonna work. We need customizable budgets, okay? They need to work for you as an individual or they're just clunky. Yeah, yeah, I think clunky is a good word for it. It's just like, it's just too much. I wanna, I also want to, as we go through these, say why they 
in theory should work because I think the premise behind them is oh there's always like a good intention behind it yeah. but then like we'll tell you the real life what ends up happening when you start trying to do these things as well okay, so this is going to be great let's get into it so the first one the first budgeting trend that we are just nope two thumbs way way down envelope systems yeah i cannot stand envelope systems well let's talk about one we personally tried it we did. So let's talk about what the envelope system is. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. That's great. Yeah. We we tried this ourselves, and it was just so annoying and frustrating. The fact of it is, yeah, it's just too much to manage. But essentially, what the envelope system is, you have an envelope for really each spending category in your budget. Yeah. And what you're going to do is, <laughs> you're going to pull cash out for the spending that you're going to do in that category for the month. So if you have a $500 grocery budget, you're going to have $500 cash in an envelope with groceries written on it. If you have $100 for gas money, you're going to pull out $100 and you're going to put it in an envelope with gas money on it. You know, so and so on and so on through all your categories in your budget. Right, you've made you designated how much you're going to have for each spending category and then you pull out the cash and put it in the envelope for that category. Now, the reason that the, that people think that this is going to be such a great idea is because you can't overspend cash. Yeah. And, and and that makes perfect sense, right? Like if I only have $500 in my grocery store envelope, then I'll go to the grocery store and be really conscious of how I'm spending my money, especially towards the end of the month where it, like it might be tempting to just buy a bunch of stuff to fill up the, the refrigerator. But it forces me to go, oh, should I shop my pantry right now? And see what I can do and be creative so that I don't overspend in this particular category. Yeah. And in theory, that's fantastic. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense because we know that when we spend cash, there is that more conscious relationship with money. When we talk about money mindfulness and wanting to be more money mindful, using cash can be a great way to do that. Oh, yeah. You're, you're going to be more conscious of spending cash than you are a credit card. And there's a lot of studies that show that like you'll spend more on a credit card than you will if you have cash in hand. Yes. And that's because of something that is called decoupling, which is that you aren't able to connect those two transactions in your mind. You aren't able to string the transaction between reduction of resources because it's all happening digitally. So you don't actually feel your purse getting lighter. So the evolution of your brain hasn't really caught up to this digitized currency. So we are unable to fully conceptualize the fact that we just spent a bunch of money. I just used a bunch of words. But <laughs> what it essentially means is that it's harder for you to actually keep track of your transactions and doing all that mental math leads to overspending for a lot of people. Right. And we just value cash more than we do the credit card. Legitimately. Yeah, yes, we do. We do. And so the envelope system in theory makes a lot of sense. I mean, we might have just convinced you to want to try it. The reason we don't like it is because this is the really clunky one. This is just it's a lot of cash. Keeping up with the envelopes is a real pain in the butt. Um, I don't know about you. I don't really like walking around with a boatload of cash. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, and, and I think we found that so many times that we would be out and we would forget an envelope. So let's say that we want to go grocery shopping and then the one envelope for like home repair stuff isn't with us. I mean, it just became such a, uh, a pain to like manage all of those envelopes and make sure the cash was in the right spot and remember those envelopes when you go out. And like Rebecca says, like, do you want to take thousands of dollars with you out just in case you have to make a stop at a particular store so you can pull money out of that envelope? 
Yeah, I think it's just really odd. And then also there's the fact that like there's two of us. So how does that work? Yeah. You know, because that was what got really frustrating for us. I'm not the only person who does the grocery shopping. We share the load. So like if Dylan's out, he'll stop and pick things up. So what if he doesn't have the, the right spontaneous? You can't necessarily be spontaneous <laughs> yeah. if you haven't been prepared. Yeah. So it ends up just being set, kind of sets you up for failure. So it can be really challenging. So while we do recommend using cash, if you're trying to reduce spending in like specific areas, you want to increase that money mindfulness, definitely something to look into. But the full on envelope system, not a fan. Yeah, definitely not a fan of that at all. Not a fan. So the next budgeting trend that we're not a fan of is the 50-30-20 rule. And if you're not familiar with this particular rule, you're supposed to live off of 50% of your income then you get to have 30% of your income as like discretionary fund money. And then another 20% of your income or the last 20% of your income is saving and investing. And if you haven't realized already, it goes wrong really fast, (laughs) straight out of the gate pretty much, of living off of 50% of your income. Well, I think it's especially challenging for people when they first get started paying attention to their money that think, oh, I have to live off of 50% of my income debt. That's a big ask when you're getting started, and it deflates people. Yes, absolutely. That's why we don't like any of these trends. When you try it and it doesn't work, it makes you feel like you're just a failure and you're bad with money and you get all these negative stories. And then most people, you know, the more they fail, the less likely they are to keep trying. Right, exactly. And it's because it's important to use the budget. It helps you improve financially. So if you're quote unquote failing, and you're getting frustrated, like we understand that happens and we want you to come back to it. That's for sure. Yeah. But living off of 50% of your income, uh, no, that just, it's like you're saying, when you're getting started, you have a lot of bills, you're still paying for your house. I mean, I I just ask myself, who is this even for anymore? Right. I think think that's a key anymore. It could have worked maybe 30 years ago. Yeah. It's, I think it is like budget advice that may have applied for boomers, but it doesn't apply for millennials and it definitely isn't going to apply for anybody younger than us. Yeah. So it's really just one of those things you can eventually, yes, move towards it. I mean, like we've shared before, our savings rate was like 60% at one point, but that was when we had an extremely low cost of living and we had paid off all of our debts. Yeah. But if you're really getting started, like Dylan's saying, 50, 30, 20 rule, it's just not going to work. No. And one of the first clients that I helped out, they were trying to live by the 50, 30, 20 rule and they couldn't save 20% or that what they did was they'd save 20% at the beginning of the month and they start to pull that money right out of their savings oh, account. And that hurts so and, bad. And it does hurt. And so like they were feeling like they were failing because they kept pulling money out of their savings account. And so when we went in and we looked at everything, we made some adjustments and we actually made a realistic savings goal for them. And then they were able to hit that mark each and every month and they started to see success and they didn't feel bad that they were pulling money out of their account. And that's the interesting thing about this is that it wasn't as if they weren't saving money, but they were pulling money out that they thought they were supposed to save. And so mentally that really it hurt It felt them. like failure. Yeah, it, exactly. It, yeah, it, yeah. But then when we we adjusted how much they could actually save and they were consistently saving without pulling that money out, it felt a lot better. Yeah, of course it does because it doesn't, doesn't feel like two steps forward, one step back. That's always going to be deflating. Yeah. And so that's why we have to set, like we talk about smart goals. They have to be realistic. If they're not realistic, then you're not going to have that ability to build off the momentum of your progress. Right. So you have to have that. And that's where anything that's real, like we're saying, anything that's prescriptive, there's a lot of opportunity for it to really have the opposite effect that you're going for. 
you really need that unique and custom budget. And again, go to the newsletter, get our course. We will teach you exactly how to do that. And you can really see right there where you can start to make the changes that are going to make the most sense for your unique circumstances and make it work. But anytime it's prescriptive, it can hurt more than it can help. I'll throw this out there. Like maybe that's the ideal situation. Wouldn't it be great if you could live off of 50% of your income, spend 30% on having fun or doing whatever, like that sounds pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. And then saving 20%, that would be great. But especially when you get started in, on your financial journey, it's just going to be unrealistic. Maybe it's something that we want to work towards, but don't feel deflated if you have, haven't hit these numbers. You need custom budgets. Yeah. I'm never going to stop saying it. So yeah, that's why I don't like that one. All right. The third one, and this is kind of similar. The, the third budgeting trend that people just talk about so much has to do with your savings in particular, and it's automating. Everybody loves to talk about, oh, you should automate your savings, automate your investing, automate, automate, automate. This gets so many people in trouble because, again, they do it too soon. Yeah. And they end up doing what I call play hot potato with your money. Yeah, just like that example of my clients earlier. That's exactly it. I'll get paid on Friday and so then I'll transfer this much money to my savings. But you don't know your cash flow. You haven't mastered your budgeting. You don't really know how much you spend every month on all the different things. You aren't really in tune with your numbers. And so you automate. And then you end up having to pull that money right back out. Or you automate even a debt payment. I see this all the time with clients when they're trying to get out of debt and they'll make a decision to pay more aggressively on their credit card debt. But they haven't been paying enough attention to their budget. And I have to call them back to that. And I'm like, okay, do you see what happened here? You made an aggressive payment on that balance. But then you had to use your credit card to pay for your necessities. Right. So that wasn't realistic for you to put that money over there because you don't have enough knowledge of your budget and your cash flow. So people love to talk about automating. It sounds really cool and awesome and great. And again, it, it is a great goal. Well, it's one, one thing is it's like take the thought process out of it. If you know you yeah. want to start saving or investing more money, one of the things that can get in the way is, oh, I have to. It uh, feels like a financial chore. Yeah, it's a chore. Every, every week or every month, I got to transfer money over to my savings and my investments. So I automate. Mm -hmm. And so like it's supposed to save you time. But like what Rebecca's saying is that if you haven't understood your habits and behaviors enough that you might be doing it too soon, it's better to build up that muscle. It's like doing reps, going to the gym yes. and lifting weights over and over again so you know that you can lift this much. So then when you show up to your budget every month, it's the same idea. I know that I'm consistently spending this much money. I can save this much money instead. Yes. You start to set these unrealistic goals for yourself of, okay, great. I can save $500 a month or I can pay off $500 a month off my credit card. But then you immediately put that balance back on or you pull that money back out of your savings. Now, again, you right. feel like a failure. And again, right. you're just going to get so frustrated that eventually you're going to stop. And you're going to tell yourself these stories of just like, it's impossible. I can't. All these money mindset things will start to get in your way. So that's why I really don't like the advice to just automate your savings. Like that's some sort of magic pill that's going to help you reach your savings goals. If you aren't checking those other boxes, again, it can just be something that creates more mayhem for you. 
and creates more work for you, honestly. Uh There's really a a series of events that you need to go through to be able to automate effectively. And that brings us to number four. So the next one is an actually automated budget where you use an app or some sort of software where it looks at all of your financial statements and it spits out a budget for you. Yes, these are essentially the same thing as like the 50-30-20 rule where it's very prescriptive. And it's it's all based off of your previous spending which isn't really a budget. It's just a report. It's not going to be helpful if you're trying to change the way that you use your money. It's just saying, based off of last month, this is how much you should spend this month. So that's not a budget. That's why we don't like any of them. They just aren't helpful because not only is it based off of the past, but also the categorizations are terribly inaccurate. They especially can't separate things like if you bought household items, and groceries at Target, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's not able to decipher all of those little things. And so, again, that makes it very unrealistic or especially Amazon. You buy everything at Amazon. Right. And that would just be like online shopping yeah. or e-commerce or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it would just dump it into one category where really that's not how you should be categorizing your budget. So That's why we really don't like automated budgets is the budgets are based off of past spending, not necessarily taking your future goals in mind. If it does suggest any changes, they just might not be realistic for you and feel like they're really out of reach and set again, set you up for failure. And then finally, the fact that the automatic categorizations of the expenses, they're just always wrong. Right. And they're not categorized in a way that's actually helpful for you to identify, like we're saying, your habits and your behavior so that you can make the behavioral change that you need to reach your financial goals. All right, so those were four budgeting trends that we're just not a fan of at all. And we find that if you haven't had success with budgeting and you've tried to follow one of these trends or rules or whatever it is, then don't give up. There are better ways to do this. And we want to talk about a couple of the things that we think these are the trends that you should follow and see that are most important if you're doing a budget. Yeah, but if you've tried any of the ones that we said we don't like, and they have failed you. You're just not alone. Yeah. And hopefully now you understand why it was so hard and why it didn't work. Because they're they're just flawed. Right. So the first budgeting trend that we're a big fan of is paying yourself first. Paying yourself first is such an important thing to make sure that you're bringing into your budgeting routine. Really what it means is that savings and investing are your top priorities. Yeah, it comes before everything else. It is the first line item on your budget, making sure that you are putting your financial goals up front because you're really protecting yourself from a really common thing that people do, which is they try to just save, quote unquote, whatever's left. Right, exactly. They put it at the bottom of their their you know, mental math (laughs) spreadsheet because they maybe don't even use a spreadsheet. Maybe they don't even use a budget, but they tell themselves like, okay, if I can just reduce my spending, again, very vague, then I'll save whatever's left at the end of the month. But there's never anything left at the end of the month. It's like that rule. Parkinson's law. Parkinson's law. Yeah. Where you're going to end up just using all of that time, not because you needed it, but just because you had it. You know, the project it will take is however much time that you want to give it. Yes. And so the same will happen with your money if you let it. So if you find that you have an extra $50 in your budget and it's not been already like moved to your savings at the beginning of the month, you're probably going to spend it. We're just all very good at this. <laughs> yeah. And so you have to pay yourself first to kind of protect you from you. 
Well, and I think what's really important about this is that it is building a muscle. And like, let's say that you are starting off your journey and you're like, I can't save anything. Save $5. It's just saying like, I prioritize this. And even if it's a small amount, I'm just I'm practicing saving. And then over time, that five becomes $100 and then it becomes $500, whatever. But you're just starting to build that muscle. And that's what the most important piece here. It doesn't matter what the amount is when you're getting started. It's just that you're putting an amount in. Yes. And so there are many ways to do this, of course. Some of it can mean automated. It's just that, like we've already told you, there are some pitfalls of that by doing it too soon, doing too much too soon, et cetera. But there's a lot of ways to pay yourself first. Make sure that you're putting the money towards your savings or whatever your top you know, priority is on payday or very soon thereafter is when you should be putting money towards your savings and your investing. Well, that's the whole idea. Pay yourself first. So money goes into my account before it goes to anybody else's account. I'm making sure I'm prioritizing me before I prioritize even the bank. Yeah, exactly. And then you can base all of your other budgeting decisions based on the amount of money that's left over after you've prioritized your saving and investing. That's just going to be far more effective than when you flip it, which is what most people do. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, the next thing that we really like are zero-based budgets. This is what we teach in our course. You really want to make sure that every single dollar that you have has a job. Because like we said, you're going to end up using it on something. So if you don't have an intentional plan for it, then it's going to end up getting, honestly, just kind of pissed away. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of like that age-old saying, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Yes. And so with your money, if you aren't making a plan with it, then you're just hoping it's going to go in the right place. But by having a zero-based budget, I plan every single dollar I make, and I'm actually going to take action on that. Yeah, and it's really just going to help you be far more efficient at reaching any of your goals because let's say that I think a lot of people think that they should leave an extra $50 kind of unaccounted for in their budget, but that $50 could get you towards your goal so much faster. So when you just are very intentional about it, then you can be far more effective and get where you want to go way faster. Right. So zero-based budgeting is the ultimate optimization of your budget. It's so sick. Yeah, I like that. It's like you're squeezing every dollar for what it's worth in a zero-based budget. That juice is worth the squeeze. That juice is worth the squeeze. Yeah, so (laughs) because if I don't have a plan, I'm always going to want an extra bit of cushion in there. Yeah. I've seen this with clients. When when we have a, a bank account, if we have a checking account, we want to keep so much money in there because we that makes us feel safe and comfortable. But as you start to become better at budgeting, that amount of money in your checking account can be lower because you're so confident in your numbers. Absolutely. And like, let's imagine you had, you're trying to pay off debt and you had an extra thousand dollars sitting in your checking account. Well, that could actually be used to pay off your debt or that could be put into an investment instead because now you know how to live off of the money you make. You're not like, oh, I have this money just in case. It's No, I don't need that there because I know how to make the money I have work for me. You're totally right. Zero-based, really knowing your numbers helps you just be so locked in and optimized. It's just like, oh, it's awesome. Okay, and then the last budgeting trend that we're really big fans of, it's just kind of the opposite of one of the things we're not fans of, (laughs) is manually budgeting. We're really big fans of taking the time and manually tracking all of your transactions. Yeah, absolutely. And I this might seem like a lot of work, but as you get better at budgeting, the more you do it, this becomes less and less time and is actually very quick and easy to do. Less than 30 minutes a week. Oh, totally. And the benefit of this is that you actually know what the heck is going on. 
if my budget is automated, it's just going to punch out some numbers. And that might not sink in as much as taking the cash element into the digital world here. Is so I say I can spend $500 on groceries. I plug in that I spent 150 bucks this week. And I see that number go from 500 to 350. And I actually have to make that conscious move of putting it in there and admitting to myself, I already spent 150 bucks. I only have 350 left. Exactly. This is you helping your brain with that whole decoupling thing we were talking about earlier, where you actually are saying, oh, yeah, I bought this. That meant I had to pay this now. And you have to sit with that. And you have yeah. to say, am I okay with it? Am I glad that I made that decision? In the future, if I'm faced with the same decision, do I want to do that a little different? Right, you, you have know? to like... <laughs> like yeah, or or do I feel great about it? And yeah, that's totally it awesome. Does, yeah, it doesn't fine. always have to be bad, but you know? you know, the first thought I had was like, you know, paydays on Friday and you go out all weekend, then you're like Monday morning, you're like, oh man, here we go, you know? Five days till payday. (laughs) You're just counting them down. But it could be the, it could be a positive thing too. It could totally be a positive thing and it should be over time. You should get better and better to where your actions are more aligned with your values. That's the whole goal here. But manually tracking your transactions, you're absolutely right. That's really the solution to the whole decoupling thing because I hate envelope systems. I don't want to carry it's all that cash. It's a lot to juggle. It's a lot to juggle. And it's 2020 freaking three. Like, come on. We're in the digital age. I'm not necessarily all about my Bitcoins and whatnot, but we've been using credit cards with your digital currency for a very long time. And cash, unfortunately, is less and less common. So we do need to say, hey, so how do we make up for the fact that we're unable to totally compute this digital world in our little brains, well, this is a great way to do it. So there you have it. The three things that we think are the most important when it comes to your budget. So that's paying yourself first, using the zero-based budget method, and then making sure that you manually track your transactions along the way. And so that's today's episode. If you like this, then you're going to love the course. So like, please just sign up for the course. Like, Go for it. We're giving it away. We think it's awesome and we want everyone to take advantage of this. So sign up for the newsletter, get your code and start taking the course and start being more better with your money. Yeah, we love being mo' better around here. Yeah. (laughs) Being mo' better is the best. (laughs) All right. So again, thank you so much for your time. Like Dylan said, take the cash flow freedom framework. And if you have five minutes and you love this podcast, you just found so much value in it. If you could take five minutes of your time and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, it really helps us reach more people who we can help be better with their money. Or as Dylan said, be more better with their money. Yeah, it's not about English around here. It's about your money skills. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So until next time, I'm Rebecca. And I'm Dylan. And and we're we're Rad Rad Coaches. Coaches.